This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Thanks for joining us on the emdocs.net podcast. This week, we have back Rachel Bridwell. Thanks for having me back, Britt. All right, Rachel, let's get to the case. A 28-year-old male presents for dysphagia and ability to handle oral secretions. He states that his mouth hurts, noticing his neck look larger than usual. He has been unable to eat for the past 12 hours due to pain with swallowing, drooling, and difficulty opening his mouth. Review of systems is remarkable for a recent dental infection of the right bottom molar and a recent tongue piercing. Initial vital signs include a blood pressure of 105 over 50, a heart rate of 130, a temp of 100.7 oral, respiratory rate of 24, and a sat of 95% on room air. His pertinent physical exam findings include a reduced intercisal mouth opening distance, tongue protrusion, indurated mouth floor, which is woody, prominent submandibular and submental swelling bilaterally with corresponding lymphadenopathy. Skin exam shows erythema overlying his right mandible, which tracks inferiorly and terminates at the sternal notch without subcutaneous emphysema. All right, so let me think about this. We have a patient with a protruding tongue, an indurated woody floor of the mouth, submandibular and submental swelling bilaterally. You pretty much gave me the diagnosis. This sounds a lot like Ludwig's, which is a severe infection of the submandibular space. Absolutely, Britt. At least I still know something. Let's start with some epidemiology. Who's at risk for this and what's the most common cause? Patients at risk include those with poor dental hygiene, recent dental infection, immunosuppression, intravenous drug use, diabetes, chronic alcohol abuse, and recent tongue piercings, which probably doesn't include both of us. Odontogenic infections account for 70% of Ludwig's angina, usually periapical abscesses of mandibular molars in adults. In kids, upper respiratory infections more commonly cause Ludwig's angina. Patients with IgG hypogabaglobulinemia are at an increased risk for severe complication. Ludwig's angina is named for Carl Friedrich Wilhelm von Ludwig in 1836, who first described the fatal and rapidly progressive infection of the mouth floor and has absolutely nothing to do with Ludwig von Beethoven. Thanks for differentiating that. At least I learned something from today's discussion. Now, I know this is an infection of the submandibular area, but what's the anatomy we need to consider and what are the typical bacteria associated with this infection? I would recommend following along in the post for a visual, but the mylohyoid subdivides the submandibular space into the sublingual space and the submaxillary space. Infection extends posteriorly and superiorly, elevating the tongue against the hypopharynx. If untreated, the infection then spreads inferiorly to the retropharyngeal space and into the superior mediastinum, which is bad. As for bacteria, these are often polymicrobial oral flora, but the most common bacterial culprits include Enterococcus, E. coli, Fusobacterium, Streptococcus species, Staph aureus, Klebsiella pneumonia, and Actinomyces species. Rachel, you gave me a slam dunk case up front. I really didn't think too hard about it. How do these patients typically present? These patients can present more subtly after a simple oral infection, progressing to trismus, tongue protrusion, the inability to handle oral secretions, adenophagia, tripoding, and respiratory distress. So if we're thinking Ludwig's is present, what should we do and what are the next steps that we need to think about? So above all else, assess your ABCs and grab your first set of vital signs, which may show fever and tachycardia. Patients may be leaning forward and extending their neck to optimize the diameter of the airway. 
Perform a complete physical exam which may show decreased intercisal mouth opening distance, an indurated mouth floor, a brawny neck with submandibular and submental edema, sublingual and submental lymphadenopathy, and superior displacement of the tongue. A skin exam may show erythema with inferior tracking which denotes spreading in the infection. Laboratory evaluation may help with a CBC, BMP, and VBG with lactate. If the clinical situation permits, obtain a CT head and neck with contrast to assess anatomic reaches of the infection, which may assist the surgeon in operative planning. However, we recommend assessing whether the patient will tolerate lying supine before going to CT. This evaluation sounds easy, but if these patients are in extremis, we need to have an approach. Imaging can also be a problem, and one of the big things is to make sure the patient can lie flat before sending them to the CT scanner. If they can't lie flat in the resuscitation bay, then don't send them to CT. These patients need an airway, preferably in the OR. And that brings us to resuscitation. What should we consider for treatment? First, manage the patient's EBCs. They're very likely sitting upright. Early airway management is paramount. Intubation is often unsuccessful, with the majority of cases requiring surgical airways. So call a general surgery, ENT, anesthesia, and anyone who could help you early and often. These folks require source control additionally, which is operative and include needle aspiration versus surgical decompression. Early antibiotics are also key to cover for beta-lactamase producing aerobic or anaerobic gram-positive cocci and gram-negative rods, plus or minus MRSA. Start with penicillin G and flagyl, clinda, or augmentin. Additionally, give steroids at 10 mg of dexamethasone every 6 hours for 48 hours. There's a theoretic component of chemical decompression for airway protection and increased antibiotic penetration. Nebulized epinephrine may be helpful. Resuscitate the patient appropriately and provide adequate pain control since this is wildly uncomfortable. Great. So airway, antibiotics, steroids, maybe some nebulized epinephrine. What's the disposition here? Are all these patients going to be going to the ICU? Pretty much. Consult ENT, OMFS, and anesthesia early for airway assistance and surgical decompression of the infection, as well as potential extraction of infected teeth. Difficult airway equipment includes awake fiber optic, cricothyrotomy, as well as mobilizing surgical assistance for a bedside percutaneous tracheostomy. This is not the time to underestimate the difficulty of an airway, so call for all your friends and equipment early. These patients should be admitted to the ICU for close monitoring. Additionally, this infection may progress to cervical necrotizing fasciitis or descending necrotizing mediastinitis through the carotid sheath or the retropharyngeal space, requiring aggressive debridement and source control. Rachel, thanks for the great tips. In summary, Ludwig's angina is an infection of the submandibular space. Risk factors play a key role, especially diabetes in any immunocompromising states. Like Rachel said, first assess these patients' airway. Consider awake intubation and always have backups. Provide antibiotics, and these patients will usually need the ICU. Rachel, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thanks for joining us on the emdocs.net podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.